It's something that's simple that could really make a food go viral. It's not just taste-wise, like it actually visually has to look different. It's a whole thing. There's an agency sort of behind some of these things pulling strings. It's just marketing. Welcome to the Around the World for Food cast. Each episode dives deeper into one of my written stories from the blog. This week, you'll learn more about viral foods and exactly how some shot to fame. I'm your host, Meg Williams. When was the last time you bought something because you saw it on Instagram? Or you bought something to post a picture of it on Instagram? The social media platform is filled with influencers who are paid a lot of money to sell you on the idea of a product. Slowly but surely, people have started to understand the marketing power of going viral. The popularity of tons of different things can be traced back to celebrity posts. Most people don't recognize the role food accounts play in advertising for a city's hotspots determining must-eat destinations. Now when restaurants are coming up with design concepts, aesthetics are at the forefront of their strategy because if it's Instagrammable, everyone will be there. But this wasn't always the case. Instagram only launched in October of 2010, and even then restaurants were not using it as a way to promote themselves. There are two bakeries we can thank for changing the way people see food, Milk Bar and Dominique Ansel Bakery. These two were the first to find viral fame and the long-standing success that sometimes comes along with it. For foodies, these places are often a tourist destination. Posting a picture of any viral food on Instagram is a way to show off, especially if it's hard to get. But the shelf life and success does not last as long anymore as it did with the originals. I talked to my friend Dan, a viral food aficionado who has lived in New York since 2016 to learn more about the changing food scene and the lengths people go to get their hands on the latest made-for-Instagram treats. Here in New York City, the biggest craze right now, it's called the Cronut. The Cronut. The Cronut. The Cronut. No. People lining up around the block has people willing to wait for hours. People lining up as early as 5 a.m. People will wait in, in line for hours. People go nuts for Cronuts. How does a pastry go viral? The Cronut was a massive shift in foodie culture because it was really the first time it started becoming this sort of social media moment. New York City foodie culture is changing all the time. It's so big and there's so many different areas of it that it's hard to lump into one thing. When I go out for brunch, I'll go to a place that I always know the food is good, that's reliable, and it's an $18 prefix, coffee included, so it's relatively cheap as well. But then sometimes I'll also go to a place and get like a highly Instagrammable brunch like they used to have at Jack's Wife Frida the beet hollandaise eggs benedict and it was like this bright pink hollandaise sauce and it was beautiful so it really does vary and I think foodie culture in New York is just very vast and there's a lot of different areas can you tell me about your first viral food experience like the first time you saw something on Instagram and you were like I have to get this well, I think it was the experience that a lot of people had, and that was dough cookie dough right by NYU in New York City. That video that Insider posted was all over the place on Facebook. I couldn't escape it. Everyone was sharing it. And I remember I waited half an hour in line in the dead of February when it was freezing with my friend just to get in and try this cookie dough. 
So after that video came out, did you notice right away people were lining up for it? Yes, because I walked by that area a lot. There was a line that, like, it was so long they had to use the other sidewalk on the other side of the street. And they had people, like, radioing and saying, like, okay, 20 people can go to this side. There were had to be hundreds of people waiting in line on any given day, too. And this was in the middle of winter. People were just there because they really wanted to try the cookie dough. Something that kind of just popped out and lives on viral food is smorgasburg as a festival it definitely is it's a celebration of crazy interesting unique food it's almost kind of like an art form in a way i would say which i think is kind of a recent phenomenon thanks to instagram the masses have started to think of food in that kind of way it's leading people to come up with even crazier designs and ideas but I went to the indoor smorgasburg and tried the raindrop cake. It's like a cake that's like a gelatin, but it looks like a water droplet and it has all these like powders and stuff that you dip in to eat it. Do you think if you went to smorgasburg one day or they created a rule where they said no phones allowed, do you think as many people would go or do you think it's more about the picture? I don't know. I think there definitely would be a dip in attendance because that's kind of the way that society is these days. I think people really prioritize getting that shot. Also, some people would probably say, well, why would I spend eight dollars on a pasta bagel when I could buy a two dollar thing of pasta and have it basically taste the same but because I can't get a photo. So the pasta bagel is very interesting to me because it was all over Eater, it was everywhere and then when we went I was like Dan you can't get that, that looks so disgusting and you got it and it was good. Yeah because I mean everyone was talking about it and it's like you buy it almost for the inherent weirdness of it. Why on earth would anyone ever think of creating a spaghetti donut? It's just this funny thing everyone's talking about, so I should go and try it. It's the same reason why people wait in line 20 minutes for, you know, like the stand when we went that is the fruit blended into the fruit (laughs) container and the dragon fruit always sold out instantly because people wanted the shot of them holding the dragon fruit cup. That's why people do it, I guess, for the gram. You can go and get the chrono when you wait in line. You can go and get the edible cookie dough. It's not necessarily a dining experience, but then you have these desserts and treats that are dining experiences like the hit me cake from catch and Mm -hmm. the fortune cookie from tau and i know that you've gotten the hit me cake how does that differ from waiting for the cronut because you're spending a lot more money to try to get that dessert in those instances specifically it's not so much about waiting outside of a otherwise nondescript store front it's more about the whole experience of going to the restaurant and because these restaurants are also pretty high in price and there's a certain status that goes along with just eating there in general so i think then on top of that when you order the dessert it's instantly recognizable and so people will say oh i know exactly where that dessert's from like it looks so cool like i know how much it costs and how much it takes to get to eating that dessert. I think in that instance, it's more of the whole experience of eating and the presentation and getting that boomerang. When the guy brought it down, my friend Alyssa and I whipped out our phones and he was like, wait, here's how we're going to do this. You're going to do the boomerang. She's going to take a still photo and I'm going to crack it and I'll tell you when to start. So he had already knew how to orchestrate the entire shot from beginning to end. So they know that the foods are Instagrammable. Would you have ever thought to go to catch if this cake wasn't viral 
it's a pretty famous place on its own and a lot of celebrities have gone. I think I would have been content just leaving after dinner and going and getting like an insomnia cookie down the block instead of waiting and ordering this massive cake to add on to it. It definitely did still cause me to buy something that I wouldn't have normally invested in. I just think about what my life and our lives would be like if we didn't have Instagram to find restaurants to go to. And that's even the case with my mom. Like, once I started going to NYU, she, on her Instagram, where she doesn't follow much, she followed an NYC restaurant food account. And she now will plan her trips to the city and where we're going to eat based on things that she sees on that account. A lot of people don't realize with those food accounts is that when they have a lot of followers oftentimes they're paid to go in and take pictures of food and restaurants use that as part of their marketing strategy like that is a new way to advertise paid promotions on different accounts is for sure the marketing way of the future and because it can reach an audience in a more direct way and because it's coming through this middleman people see it as having more of an authentic voice behind it and it's not as much a corporation saying you should eat here because we're this it's someone else saying hey this is good and it's a known fact that word of mouth is the best kind of marketing but then of course it does bring up sort of the debate of is the content that i'm getting authentic necessarily i don't know if you know about this But I was reading an article from Eater, and it was about viral foods. They were talking about these, like, secret marketing agencies that collaborate with restaurants to create viral foods. When they were being interviewed, they were like, yep, this is what we do. We do work with restaurants. But they were so secretive about who they worked with, they wouldn't say any of their clients because they know that it disillusions the whole idea. Like, it's just not as fun to think that oh, a company really created this to get people through the door to try something else they might have. That doesn't really surprise me that there would be companies and people now who specialize in creating viral food in order to kind of generate a fabricated virality. But I think ultimately people are good at sniffing out BS and that there does need to be some sort of authenticity involved. And how much do you think Instagram lends to a shelf life? You know, because a restaurant may have this fame for three months, four months, five months, and they have the shelf life of this product, and then everyone gets it, everyone wants it, and it kind of dies, and then you see some places prevail, like Dominique Ansel Bakery with the Cronut, I think will always be successful because he's always innovating, and he does, he has the hot chocolate, he has the cookie shots, he has the frozen s'mores, and Milk Bar is just always innovating as well. But then you do have places like Dough, the edible cookie dough cafe, where people still go there, but it's just not the same. And eventually, when that Instagram fame dies, do they still have a business? Even just walking around campus over these last few years, the shelf life of restaurants in New York is very short. I have seen places come and go and come and go and come and go in the exact same tenant location. So the fact that Joe is still there honestly surprises me every time I walk by. Like Because it is so niche and it hasn't really innovated since its inception, I just find it 
hard to believe that it's been able to still maintain a storefront like that. But then you do have like Dominique Ansel Bakery, which also has the kitchen and there's other Dominique Ansel Bakeries around the world that is constantly innovating and constantly changing and trying to figure out new and exciting things. And it might just be that dough has pigeonholed itself into too niche of a market with only edible cookie dough and that the market might not be as big as it was when it initially came out. And so I think it's still yet to be seen. There are classifications for viral foods and it can almost go down to these niche kind of weird products like edible cookie dough and the spaghetti donut where once you have it, it's kind of like, "Mm, I don't know if I ever want to have that again. But then there's these places that are actually doing a lot like Dominique Ansel Bakery and they're the classic viral foods. People are always going to want them. I think that's why Smorgasburg works and why it works so well is because you get all of these places like Dough that most of them would not be able to stand on their own or they have a truck and they can all kind of combine their their drops of clout together in a bucket and people will then gravitate towards the bucket. I would say you need to have a vision beyond just your initial viral food offering and you need to have the drive to want to keep innovating and creating and having a much wider range of options. You have to kind of be your own miniature smorgasburg instead of just being a stand at smorgasburg. Thank you to my friend Dan Bennett for sharing his New York City foodie wisdom with me. He's been diving into the scene ever since he got to New York University in 2016. To learn more about viral food and stay up to date on all of the recent food trends, be sure to head to aroundtheworldforfood.com.